This is 410 Sprint Car Driver at Landon Price, and you're listening to the Four Wide Salute Podcast. a new episode of the four wide slew podcast i am your host casey as always well i don't have a ton of breaking news i think all the news that was coming out surrounding new drivers uh in new rides or anything to that nature has come out already um but i do have the new 2022 ms racing extravaganza was crowned last night and that is Riley Schaefer. So congratulations to Riley and her family and friends. And I look forward to seeing you out and about this racing season. And I uh, hope it's a good one on, on her end. But let's roll into your results. So Monday night, Lucas Oil Late Models, Winter Nationals, Bubba Raceway Park in Florida, 10000 to win. That one went to T-Mac, Tim McCready over Devin Moran. And B-Shop, Brandon Shepard, ring in the podium. Go check out the highlights from this one if you didn't get a chance to watch it. T-Mac and Moran put on a show the last two laps. Moran had the lead by a lot going down the backstretch of the last lap. Decided to take the top. And I don't know if he just got too high and ended up almost sideways. Made contact with T-Mac, who was putting around the bottom. And Moran ended up after crossing the finish line in the infield, going into turn one, facing the wrong direction. Exciting, exciting finish. On to Tuesday, again, Lucas Oil Late Models Winter Nationals back at Bubble Raceway Park. Again, another 10,000 to win. This one did go to the mailman, Devin Moran, over Turbo, Tyler Erb, and Ricky Thornton Jr. rounding out your podium. Thursday. This time, Lucas Oil Late Models Winter Nationals was at Alltech Raceway, also in Florida, 10,000 to win there as well. And this one went to B-Shep, Brandon Shepard over Devin Moran and Jonathan Davenport. And if you can't tell, there's a little trend here with the mailman, Devin Moran. He is off to an amazing start to the season. Also Thursday, Dirt Car Sportsman little modified action. South of the Border Showdown at Lakeview Motor Speedway. $1,000 to win the Thursday night show. And this was the brothers, Andrew Buff, beating out his brother, Justin Buff, for the win. And David Boyclair bringing home the podium there in third. On to the weekend. We're going to stick with the Dirt Car Sportsman since we just talked about that. Friday night's portion of the South of the Border Showdown, again at Lakeview Motor Speedway. This one was rained out, unfortunately. And last night's finale, again, South of the Border Showdown, Lakeview Motor Speedway, 3000 to win. This one went to your defending Super Dirt Week Sportsman Champion, Zach Sabaka, over Chris Johnson, and Pennsylvania guy Joe Toth rounding out your podium. All-Stars. Friday and Saturday, Sonoya Raceway in Georgia, unfortunately, succumbed to the rain. The track got about three inches of rain, they reported, on Thursday and early Friday, which washed out the entire weekend, so we'll have to wait another couple of days till we get to the All-Stars. 
Lucas Oil, late models, Friday night's Winter Nationals at Alltech Raceway, 12000 to win. That also, unfortunately, was rained out. And last night's finale at Alltech, 15000 to win. This one went to the Osho, Jimmy Owens over T-Mac, Tim McCready, and Superman, Jonathan Davenport, rounding out the podium. And for those of you wondering, well, what happened to our point leader, Devin Moran? Don't worry, folks. He was right there in fourth. Also on Friday night, in the USCS Outlaw Thunder Tour, down at Hendry County Motorsports Park in Florida, Friday night's event went to Davey Franick over Jacob Dykstra and Danny Smith rounding out your podium. And Saturday night's event, also at Hendry County Motorsports Park in Florida, went to Pennsylvania's own Mach 1 chassis Mark Smith over Davey Franick and Garrett Williamson rounding out your podium. On to our upcoming events. It is now getting busy. So bear with me here. A lot of stuff coming up. Hope you guys have your Flow subscription, your Dirt Vision subscription, and pull up some popcorn and enjoy the week. So we're going to start with the Short Track Super Series Sunshine Swing. Wednesday, Modifieds and 602 Crate Sportsman, Alltech Raceway in Florida, 4,000 to win for the Modifieds, 1,500 to win for the 602 Crates. Thursday, same two divisions, same place, 5,000 to win for the Modifieds, another 1,500 to win for the 602 Crates. Friday night, again, same two divisions, still at Alltech Raceway in Florida, 6,000 to win for the Modifieds and 2,000 to win for the 602 Crate Sportsman. And Saturday's finale, 8,000 to win for the Modifieds and 2,000 to win for the 602 Crate Sportsman. World of Outlaw Sprints kick off their season on Thursday. 51st Annual Dirt Car Nationals Volusia Speedway Park in Florida. Friday night and Saturday will round out their three-day stay at Volusia Speedway Park. All-Stars, they are at Volusia Speedway Park. Again, part of the 51st Annual Dirt Car Nationals. Their Tuesday night show pays 6000 to win, and their Wednesday night show pays 6000 to win as well. Lucas Oil Late Models. This is one of my favorite weeks of the year for Lucas Oil. 46th annual Risco Winter Nationals presented by Lucas Oil, East Bay Raceway Park down in Florida, right there on the water in Tampa. 5,000 to win Monday, 5,000 to win Tuesday. Wednesday and Thursday will pay 7,000 to win each. Fridays pays 12,000 to win, and Saturday's finale, 15,000 to win. USAC Midgets. Friday and Saturday, the Winter Dirt Games 13 Bubba Raceway Park in Florida. 3,000 to win on Friday and 5,000 to win Saturday. The Grit Racing Series, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, the Yankee Classic at Putnam County Raceway in Florida. That is on DoneRight.tv for those of you wanting to check that out. A couple of the local guys from around here going down. I know Joe Toth and Craig Whitmoyer are scheduled to compete and a handful of others. As you know, Grit Racing Series 
is a 602 crate series. They also run some other supporting divisions as well. They're around the southern tier area of New York. They also go up into like the Albany area. Um, so do check them out as well. Short Track Super Series will be on Flow. Outlaw Sprints will be on Dirt Vision. All Stars will be on Flow. Lucas Oil Late Models will be on Mav TV Plus or Select. You'll have to look into that. I'm not 100% certain. And USAC Midgets, of course, will be on Flow as well. That's your upcoming events. Those were your results. As always, please like, share the podcast on all of your social media. Um, we are on Facebook and Twitter, if you have not known that. And smash that five-star rating on your podcast platforms. It goes a long way and is much, much appreciated. And we are up to, I believe, 550 listeners now, or subscribers, or followers, if you'll say. Yeah, that's all I got for you. Not a whole lot going on, like I said, as far as the breaking news aspect of things. Have some more episodes recording this week prior to me going in for some minor surgery on Wednesday. On to this week's episode. Tori Pavel is a good friend of mine. Tori works down at Bridgeport Motorsports Park. She also has her own graphic design business. Um, you can check out her uh, awesome logo on the wing of Brent Mark's car, which is pretty cool. We get into that um, into that conversation in, in just a little bit. Like I said, not a lot going on, but sit down, enjoy your popcorn, and enjoy the week of racing that's coming up. Hopefully the weather's good. Um, I do want to touch on something very quick. For those of you, of course, who know I work at Big Diamond Speedway. That is my home. I love my job. And I love my track owner. Jake Smalley is a great, great person. Um, glad he's on my side. Glad I'm on his side of, uh, of what we do. And he had a big scare a couple of weeks ago. For those of you who haven't seen the posting, um on his personal page. So the other week he had possibly two seizures. Definitely one was air flighted to the local hospital and they found a mass on his brain, which they were able to remove and get rid of the entire mass. He is home. He's recovering. Um, if there was a right place for this to be located on the brain, I think it was in the right place. Um, thankfully, you know, his wife found him before anything got worse. Thankfully, they were able to take care of him and he is now home. Like I said, recuperating. He's tired a lot, um, but he's going to be all right. And I'm very thankful for that. Um, you know, if you'd like to send him some well wishes, I'm sure he would appreciate those. Um, shoot him a message through Messenger. If you have his number, text him. He may be slow to respond, but he is in great spirits. And he's not letting this slow down our season at Big Diamond. And I'm super hyped for this year, as I always am. But I think I'm carrying a little bit more of excitement now, knowing that we're going to pull through as a team our staff, our, as a family, and, and we're going to uh, come out on top of this thing. So 
you know, it's been eating away at me a little bit over the last couple of weeks, not knowing what the next day would bring for him. And um, thankfully, we can say that he's in recovery. And there's a long road ahead of doctors and uh, therapy, I'm sure, in some form or way. But he is on the upside of this thing. And we're gonna we're gonna succeed. So um, like I said, if you'd like to send him a well wish, uh, I'm sure he'd more than appreciate it. So, but that's that. Um, I'm going to wrap this up and get you into this week's interview with Tori Pavel. So, as always, until next time, enjoy the show. Bill Brown & Company, located in Hamilton, New Jersey, has been in the printing and promotional products business since 1946. Current owner and proud dirt track supporter Ken Bruce has been with the company since 1987 and has continued to deliver the customer service that Bill Brown & Company has delivered since the beginning. Kenny supports dirt track racing through the sponsorship of the number 11 Modified, driven by Danny Heber, along with sponsorship of bonuses of Big Diamond Speedway and the Short Track Super Series, and is proud to be a sponsor of the 4 Wide Salute Podcast. You can reach Bill Brown & Company at 609-586-1408 or by email at kbruce at billbrowninc.com. You can also check out the promotional products on the website at www.billbrowninc.com. On this week's episode of 4 Wide Slew Podcast, I have with me today the pit steward and the marketing assistant for Bridgeport Motorsports Park. And yes, that includes both tracks. Ms. Tori Pavel. Tori, well... Uh, how's your off season been so far? Still very busy, very very busy. So in your in your area of expertise, what keeps you busy in the off season? I just wrapped up um, designing the schedule for this weekend's trade show at Motorsports. Um, I did both sides. It we did a little bit different this year, so I'm excited for everybody to see it. So that mainly took up my time recently, um, making the season passes for the year. Anything that Doug really asks me to do in the off season is what kind of takes up my time. Yeah, I hear that. I'm kind of in the same boat. Different position, but different uh, different tracks, but still kind of the same thing. Uh, whatever keeps you busy in the off season. How's your um, outside of the track stuff? Um, working with drivers and teams, how busy have you been? Uh, very busy. It's awesome that I've had so many clients and so many new clients are coming on. Um, I have quite the schedule of things that I need to get done. So let's start. I, I want to start with the graphic design work before we get into Bridgeport because I find that the most fascinating. So I thought it was so cool that, you know, you had your graphic design logo on Brent Mark's car at Knoxville and it wasn't hidden. It was very, very out there to see for everyone. Um, so how the graphic design, let's start with schooling. So where did you go to school to, uh, to pick up this trade? I actually went very far away for me, at least I went to the university of Tampa in Florida. Okay. The, the program down there was very entry-level type stuff. So needless to say, if my professor 
saw what I do in today's world, she would probably have a fit. <laughs> they are very structured and you learn you learn a different side of design. But I kind of just learned to adapt that into the motorsports and racing aspect of things. Okay. So what was your, when you went down there to take this course, I mean, did you foresee the whole racing thing happening or were you looking to go in a completely different direction with it? So a little backstory, I, my brother uh, raced quarter midgets from four and a half. Mm -hmm. I started racing quarter midgets at 12 and then at 17, I quote unquote retired and pursued the whole college thing and moved a thousand miles away to Florida. So no more racing was in my future at that time. Mm -hmm. And then I, I believe I was about a junior and my mom saw on Facebook that Bridgeport was looking for a marketing intern. And she's like, I know that's not really what you're going to school for, but maybe you should apply and see where it goes. Cause I knew I was going to be home during a majority of the race season. So I applied. I did a phone interview with the then owner's son, Colby Ramey, and I ended up changing his mind on what exactly he was looking for in the position, and I ended up getting hired. I was hired around Thanksgiving of that year. I want to say it was 2015. So I didn't actually meet anybody until I want to say April of that year I believe I flew home for a race and then when once I came home for the summer in May is when I really started at the track oh wow now had you been going to Bridgeport prior to that as a fan no I was never to Bridgeport prior to that really yeah okay so is it just which I find interesting? Yeah, that is. Um, you know, I think everyone, for the most part, race fans are all under the assumption that everyone's been going since they were in diapers. So you raced quarter midgets, and your brother raced. Uh, did you guys go anywhere to watch racing at that point when you were kids? Not that I can remember. We raced at Aco originally, out in the back on dirt. I ended up breaking my hand and kind of said, eh, I think I'm done. And then my brother switched to asphalt at Wall. So Wall was really the only big racetrack that we were going to at the time. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a totally different world. <laughs> uh, yeah, completely different world when you, when you end up at a dirt track. So, so going back to the whole college thing, I mean, what, what were you aspiring to become? To be honest, I just knew that I wanted to design. I always tell people that I knew I wanted to be a graphic designer since I was about 12. I always loved playing with Photoshop and editing pictures and anything that I could do computer-related design-wise. But... Going to college, I kind of just wanted to see what would happen after. I kind of always expected to work at, like, an ad agency 
But then when you're in college, they tell you to stay away from the ad agencies. So I really, I really didn't know what the end goal was. I still don't really know what the end goal is. If the business side of things is where I should be, but we're, we're just going with it. Right. No, and that's, and that's a smart way to play it. I mean, you never know what tomorrow brings, right? Um, right. And, and you've gone through some of those changes at Bridgeport where you don't know what tomorrow may bring. Um, so who was the first, I mean, did you start working at the track doing the design stuff there or did you actually have a client that you were designing, you know, hero cards or, or something for, which was first? Um, I don't really know. And your brother, and your brother designed, doesn't count. Yeah. Cause I've always designed stuff for him. I want to say that the track stuff was kind of the start of getting into the the racing world and the motorsports design aspect of things. Okay. So outside of the track, who were some of the first uh, clients you had? Oh boy. Um, outside of the track. I mean, recently, like towards my business end, um, I have done the hero cards for Justin Peck, Danny Dietrich, Brett Marks, which where you have a very wonderful relationship as far as the design aspect of things. Um, I did hero cards for RJ Jacobs. Unfortunately, he decided to focus on his family's business so he's no longer racing i did the website for jacob allen that was pretty cool working with his now fiance hannah on that oh that's cool um track people i've done hero cards for ryan creechin cole stangle a few people once people realize that like that's what I also do. They start to have me do stuff. Yeah. So let's let's Peck, Dietrich, um, and and Brett Marks are three relatively high prolific names, especially around Central PA. Um, how did those come about? I mean, were you reaching out to them, or did they see something you did and and contacted you directly, or? It was a little both. I reached out to them saying that if they ever need anything, just let me know. Um, and it kind of just went from there. And then word of mouth happens and kind of, yeah, kind of just went from there. That's so cool. So, and, and I know that you and I have touched on this at the track, but how was it seeing your logo at Knoxville. Freaking amazing. It was, I didn't pick the placement either. So that made it even better was that that's where he decided to put the logo and it was visible no matter what. <laughs> I was, I was ecstatic. Yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty cool, especially coming from Bridgeport, which is not known as a sprint car track. It's not in central PA. It's not, uh, 
you know, it's kind of off the beaten path, per se, of sprint cars. We know uh, 410 shows across the river aren't exactly desired by most uh, drivers, but that had to be really cool to see that. And, you know, now it's on there all the time. Do you have any new clients coming up uh, that you've been able to to work with from that type of exposure? Not currently. We're still kind of, I'm still trying to get my name out there a little bit more. I also feel like a lot of people might not know what that logo is right now. So we're kind of just, I'm kind of just trying to get my name out there and hopefully this will be a full-time job in the future. But right now it's one of my three jobs. So I kind of can't take on too much, which also kind of sucks in a way. Yeah. I I think uh, you and I are in the same boat alike with that. Podcasting's number three, diamonds number two, but there is one that pays the bills <laughs> that kind of takes the, the brunt of my of my day yeah but, exactly yeah it's hard it's really hard to juggle everything it really is especially when some things take up a lot of time and that's the one that usually doesn't pay the bills <laughs> right and then during the one that you that pays the bills you're thinking of all the things that you need to do during the one that doesn't pay the bills and you're like i'd rather be doing that right now but <laughs> Oh, yeah, I couldn't tell you how many times during the day of my full time job, I'm on the phone with with Jake working out stuff for Diamond or uh, filing paperwork or researching podcast stuff. Yeah, it happens a lot. I think they call that moonlighting and it technically is illegal. (laughs) (laughs) We won't tell anybody. No, it's uh, it's hard to shut your brain off and the the things that we're the most passionate about, the most creative about, unfortunately are not the ones that are paying the bills. So, yeah. So let's talk Bridgeport. Um, You know, so what was your first job at Bridgeport officially? My officially was around Christmas time of the year that I got hired before I had met anybody. Um, I was tasked with making a humongous flyer with the poker series uh, dates and information on it. So I did a lot of work over that winter prior to the race season and meeting everybody. Mm-hmm. So it was it was a little weird having conversations over the phone with somebody that you've never met and trying to work for them in a sense Mm -hmm. but colby colby and i had a great relationship as far as the design stuff went and he just kind of gave me what he wanted and said here go with it now were you did you pull up other flyers from the past to kind of get a feel of what they typically look like so you weren't completely out to lunch Uh, He sent me a bunch of flyers that Danny Serrano made in Microsoft Word. (laughs) And I had had to come up with something a little bit better. But still, 
keep that same kind of feel. Yeah, I love seeing flyers that were made in Microsoft Word. It it's like a it's almost like a, a throwback type feel. Uh, more than anything else nowadays, uh, you can you can tell which ones are made in in Microsoft Word for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, are you one that when you see flyers that come out and not naming names or places, but they just drive you nuts because you're you just know so much about what you're doing, and it's hard to to just look at a flyer and go, oh my god. Oh, absolutely. I usually screenshot them and send send them to my mom. She's like, whoa. Yeah, we do the same in this house. Um, it's it's a lot to look at and think, wow. Uh, and it's almost like you wish you could just solicit them, right? And just message, right. message and be like, I, for free, I will make this look a thousand times better. And you can't. Like, Give me that and I will fix this. <laughs> yes. My favorite is when they jam so much information onto one tiny flyer. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's it's not supposed to have everything, right? It's not a brochure. No. Even brochures don't have everything. And they're trifold most times. No, I completely get it. Correct. it it's uh it's it just irks you. It's because you know what you can do is so much better. It does, and it takes you back to some things that you learned in college of hierarchy and what you want the viewer to see first is not a big block of text that you're asking them to read. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to we'll have to get on the on the messaging train of sending those back and forth because it's highly entertaining. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but, um, all right. So, so you're tasked with doing this, uh, poker series flyer for the first time. You haven't met anybody at, and at that point you had yet to be at the track period. Right. So right. when you show up to Bridgeport for your first time and you look at the track, you look at the facility, what are the first things you think of? This is going to be a freaking cool job. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I was I was excited. I was I was excited to get in there and help them with everything as far as their social media. And I kind of grew as a designer as well being there and working for them. Oh yeah. And and you learn a whole lot too about everything. You know, oh yeah, I would I would research and come up with new new apps to use for social media. Yeah, and then you learn a lot as far as the racing industry goes, too. Um, as you know, you don't necessarily just have one job when you work there. A lot of things become your job. So This is correct. You end up learning a whole lot more than what you ever thought you were going to learn. Um, you know, I started working in turn four, figuring I was just waving a caution flag once in a while. <laughs> Boy, has that changed. <laughs> um, so, and in your case, you then developed to where now you're in the pits. You're a pit steward. So how did, how did that whole development happen from day one until 
till just this past year. What are all the things you've been able to do? So my brother races a 600 on Friday nights. And this was prior to um, Doug buying the track. And the guy that was in the pit shack, Rob, he's actually in the tower now. He was, he drives a tractor trailer and has like a crazy schedule. So a lot of the nights I would help him. And I also saw that they were still doing everything by hand and Rob's handwriting was not the best. So I kind of just jumped in and tried to help him. And I ended up, I don't know if you've ever seen the picture of me during Skyscraper with a massive whiteboard writing all of the lineups on this whiteboard. Yep. That was hell. And do not advise that ever again. Oh, don't go, don't go to Tulsa. (laughs) For real. I get text messages every year. This, this could be you. 1600 cars and they don't have a printer. That's insane. It's nuts. And yes, it's a giant erase board and it's all handwritten and it's just numbers. That's even worse. It's just numbers. Right. You have to stand there and find (laughs) your number. No, thank you. Uh-uh. No. Mm-mm. That's when they need a ticker board or something. Uh, yeah. Where do you even get a dry erase board that, that's that big? I don't know. But I don't either. It had to have been handmade. But yeah, I'm the same way when it comes to handwriting and making sure it's legible. That's, yeah. The minute you see someone that it, their handwriting's horrible, it's like, would you just give me that, please? Right. So then after Skyscraper that year, I'm pretty sure Rob moved to Florida, I, I believe. So I ended up taking over the quarter mile as Pit Stewart. I was Pit Stewart there for about a year, maybe even two. And then once Doug purchased the track, he asked me, he's like, I think I want you to be the Pit Stewart for the big track, too. I said, oh. Okay, you're gonna you're gonna teach me about like handicapping, right? He's like, yeah, I'll help you. And, and so here we are. And and how was learning about the handicapping process? It wasn't as bad as I was expecting. I honestly thought it was like some kind of Common Core math that you had to finagle, but it's really easy actually. I do it now instead of Doug. Yeah, I uh, I like handicapping. I like the math behind it. I like being able to figure all that stuff out. Now, some tracks do use uh, what you would call common core math problems to figure theirs out. <laughs> um, you know, when I took over, it became this handicapping average system. And you got certain points if you weren't there. And then you got certain points if you ran somewhere else. And it just became this big, long thought out process. And my first thought was, I like transparency. I like, I like, if I'm a fan of the grandstand and I want to be able to figure out where my favorite driver is going to start in the feature based off of their handicapping schedule, I should be able to figure it out in my head. Well, with that, there was no way you were ever going to figure it out in your head. No. So I went and then redesigned ours, which, some love, some hate, 
you're never going to get everyone to like it. But um, no, I think handicapping is a really cool aspect of what it is that we do. And it gets all the fans involved too. Like I said, the fans all know ahead of time. They can also call you out if you're wrong, which is good. You have to have someone to keep you honest. Right. Has that ever happened with you? Have you been called out for, for something? Oh, absolutely. Yep. And you're like, but for me, I use Excel for everything. Same so here. my lineups in there, I make Excel do the formulas to add everything together. And nine times out of 10, Excel doesn't lie. So it's kind of easy to prove them wrong in a sense that like you were right to begin with. Right. Right. But yeah, I've definitely had, had a few questions. So at this point of being the pit steward and working with the handicapping and everything, do you still revert back to the other stuff at, with, with marketing or anything like that? Yes. Yeah, so I, every week, the cover photo that goes up on Facebook, I design, we've kind of template, went towards a template style versus what I was doing when the Ramies owned the track, which was a new thing every week. Uh, we kind of followed what action track was doing with the simple, um, almost like a three quarter design with a picture. So I do all of those every week and I actually upload those around seven thirty during the race night. Okay. And then any, any ads that go up on Facebook, any flyers that you see, they're usually me. Okay. That's good. How, and you brought up Quitstown. Has there been any rollover? Have you been able to help them at all with anything or are you strictly just working with Bridgeport? No, I do all of action tracks design work as well. So all of their cover photos and ads, race day graphics, everything design wise I do for action track, but I don't do any pit stewarding up there. Right. Well, yeah, that'd be a haul for you on a weeknight. Yeah, it's about an hour and a half. Yeah, no thank you. Not on a weeknight. Mm-mm. No thank you. Not not every week at least, right? One time maybe, right. okay, but no. Um, now, you have also done some work for the indoor shows in previous years, right? Yes. Because I recall catching you trying to get hit by a TQ filming with your phone the other year. <laughs> Yes, that was that was me. I'm sure. So, uh, how how cool was it to work with the the indoor crowd? I always viewed and still view Jay Dugan as kind of my mentor and kind of where I want want to hopefully be in the future of owning my own business. So, we always are in contact, and I had asked him that year if he needed any help. Because I know he runs the the big boards, he runs a lot of stuff, and he can't be in the pits or in the middle of the track doing social media. And I actually, the first year of the dirt at Trenton was when I helped the most, which was super cool, being in the middle of a man-made dirt track mm-hmm. with micros that your brother's also competing in. So that was, that was super cool. It was nice to help out and not just sit in the pits with my brother and listen to him complain. (laughs) So now are you still helping out with indoor at all? No, 
I, it's a hike for me to go up to Allentown or Syracuse or Atlantic City. So I, I kind of stepped back from that. Okay. So um, now forwarding on to this upcoming season at Bridgeport, uh, I think everyone's seen the schedule. God, you guys pack on a lot of stuff. Um, yes, he yeah. did. Yeah. Uh, if only we had as much time in a year as you guys do. Man, we have to stop at Labor Day because the football season takes our fans right off right off the track. But um, oh, yeah. A lot of people don't know that's why we stop as early as we do because high school football, coal country, is number one. It don't matter what race is going on. <laughs> what um what events do you look forward to the most in the course of the year? I am super excited to have the All Stars this year. Okay. I I really do enjoy the the sprint car races that we've been adding, and I'm also excited for how many appearances that the Mid-Atlantic Sprint Series is going to be at the track as well. I I know I work at a modified track, but I love sprint cars. And that's perfectly fine. You're allowed to do that. Yep, everyone has their own thing. <laughs> I can't wait for super late models to show up at ours. So I'm the same way. Yep, there ain't nothing wrong with that. Look, I look at it this way. We see modifieds every weekend. It's okay right. to like something that we don't get to see every weekend. Yeah. And I honestly don't really get to see much because of where the pit check is. So oh, that's, that's always it. That's right. You don't have a window. You don't have a way to see the track at all. It's always a joy <laughs> when a driver or a car owner comes up to yell at me for something that happens on the track. When I cannot even see the track. Now, is it possible for you to have a laptop or a tablet open to flow? I've done that quite a few times. And I do enjoy that too. But it's hard because flow is behind. So I'm hearing them start the race and they're actually in turn four coming around to the wave lap. <laughs> well, that'd be perfect for when those guys come up to you at the pitch at the pitch shack and argue about something and be like, look, here it comes live right now. <laughs> <laughs> I always say that too. I'm like, we could just watch it now. <laughs> I got to tell you, um, you know, so streaming racing is, is a whole nother conversation, but for us that work at a track and we deal with listening to everyone complain that, can rewind it or has watched a replay or I'm sure Doug does the same thing that Jake does. Jake goes back and he watches the entire thing after it's over. And then we hear about all the things that went on or things could have went better or mistakes were made, whatever the case may be. It's, it's made our job, I think a lot harder knowing that that happens. Right. It, it's, it's kind of a, it's almost like someone's watching you over your shoulder hours later, which right. is, which is, it's very awkward at times. And, um, you know, and, and sometimes it helps too, because we've been able to prove people wrong by saying, look, look, here's the replay of it. Watch it for yourself. But it's definitely added a completely new dynamic to what it is that we do. Absolutely. So one thing I definitely wanted to, 
to bring up, you know, you started off working under the Ramies and now you work under Doug Rose. How was the, the transition of going from one to the other? It was actually pretty smooth. Um, it was weird though, because I found out that Doug was taking over the track while I was in line for the Buzz Lightyear ride at Disney World. <laughs> so what, what a buzz that, kill. <laughs> for real. That, not really, but it was, it was interesting because we were standing in line and um, I think there was an employee meeting that he, the first employee meeting that he showed up to while the Ramies still owned it. And I was not there and everything went live on Facebook, like right after. And I saw that and I was like, Oh, okay. Well, he's going to, so he's going to be with us for a year to shadow. Okay. And then next year he takes over. All right. We can, we can go with this. Let's, let's see what happens. Were you afraid at any point that he was going to clean house and bring in his own people? I think everybody that worked there was afraid at one point because you never know with the new owner. But I do believe that him shadowing that first year prior to the full switchover definitely showed him that we were needed and we knew most of us knew what we were doing and that it was best to keep us. I also, not to toot my own horn, but I always kind of felt that there's really no one that could do my job in a sense. Other like that would have that time commitment to design that much content and who's good at it in a sense. Mm -hmm. There's no, and you have to have that kind of outlook to an extent. You kind of have to. It, it's yeah. it's confidence. It's not necessarily being cocky. It's just being really confident that you are capable of doing your job to the best of anyone's ability. No, there's nothing there's wrong with There's very that. few of us. Very few of us that have that motorsports flair. Yeah. You're, you're exactly right. It's, um, you know, I see it going to different tracks, you know, meeting different people on the employee side of things. It it takes a very special type of person to do what it is that we do, to do it well, and to not treat it as it's a burden or, oh, I have to be here kind of thing. Right. Yep. I absolutely agree. So along with the, the transition... Um, you know, I, I hate to bring it up, but, you know, Danny was a good, big part of my life. He was a big part of every, a lot of people's lives working with him as frequently as you did. And for as long as you did, um, you know, if someone listening has no idea what type of person Danny Serrano was, what would you tell him? He was amazing to me. He always had my back. He always told me that I was doing a good job, even on the nights where I would make a mistake with the pit stewarding or the lineups or anything along those lines. He always jumped right in, helped me, 
made sure that I understood where that little mistake happened and always had my back. It sucks not having him at the track. Oh, yeah. It, it does. I mean, anyone who went to Bridgeport when he was around, you, you constantly looked for him because you knew he was somewhere. And he was always smiling. He was always having a good time. He was always on my golf cart. Yep. It will always be my golf cart. <laughs> <laughs> that was the, the thing I started with was the golf cart so that I could get from the, the front to the back pits to do social media and grab the lineups and everything. And he would always be on a quad. Yeah. And then I'm pretty sure he got in trouble and was no longer allowed to drive the quad <laughs> anymore. <laughs> Therefore, he got the, the golf cart and I got the quad. That's funny. I can see that. I can see him doing something to get himself in trouble. Yeah, I can see that. And I'm pretty sure he got himself in trouble by running into the candy stand <laughs> with the quad. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's the story. That's believable. That is very believable. That that sounds just like pimp. Oh, my. Oh, my. So, um, yeah. As we as we wind this down, you know, uh, Bridgeport or not, you know, what are some of the things you're looking forward to seeing happen in 2022? Hopefully it's a better year than the last two as far as the world goes. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm super excited to have new clients come on board, hopefully get my logo on a few more cars. That would be a dream. Maybe have my logo on the car at Knoxville Nationals again. That would be cool. I just want to grow and grow my business more. See, see how far I can go to see if it's a full-time kind of thing. Those are realistic goals, I think. Not too, not too out there, not too up in the stars kind of, kind of goals. No, that's, that's good. Uh, where can people locate your business as far as the interwebs or social media goes? We have, I have, I say we, like there's more than one person that works here. <laughs> Sometimes I wish there were. <laughs> Sometimes there is when my personalities change and I, Need to bring somebody else in. It makes you sound like a <laughs> well, business when you say we. Right, right, right. Okay, so we're going to go with we. We can be found on Facebook at Tori Pavel Design, or I have a website, ToriPavelDesign.com. Instagram, Tori Pavel Design. Pretty much just search Tori Pavel Design. That's good. Or find me, find me in the pitch jack at Bridgeport every race. Yes, Tori is the one with a little bingo ball machine with a lot of irritated drivers staring at it. Yes. <laughs> yes, that, that is my least favorite thing is that bingo ball machine. I want to go... I want to go back to, like, quarter midget days where there was, like, 
a styrofoam ball with lollipops in it. And the number was on like the lollipop. Oh, so that's you can go back cool. to that. That's yeah. cool. And you can pick your own. That's very cool. I mean, we could we could get drivers all riled up and just unroll Tootsie Rolls, write a number on the inside and re-roll the Tootsie Roll. I'm sure they'd love Ooh, that. That's a good one too. They would love that. I do want to also bring back the revenge redraw. Those were fun. Yeah, um, I'm slowly seeing it happen more and more. Um, I, I know, know. I know the PA TriTrack series, which has just got announced, is going to be doing that for six shows. I know. I, I know New Egypt likes to do it every once in a while. Uh, it's funny because you you talk to you poll drivers these questions, and they're all for it. And then when it happens, the twelve guys or whoever many guys are out there. They're all like, this thing sucks. Why are we doing it this way? Well, it was all right, fun and exactly. games until you got the shitty number. That's what happened. Exactly. Or until you pull the one and you have to give it to somebody else. Exactly. That's where that all comes into play. But uh, no, I, we, you're right, though. We got we to gotta spice it up a little bit and come up with different ideas going forward, I think, to pique the audience's interest more and more. And hopefully this COVID thing dies down and we can start to bring the cars behind the grandstands again. That was always my favorite. That, I think, was a lot of people's favorite. I think people always associated that with Bridgeport. And I'm glad Doug has made the valiant attempt to do so now a couple of times. And that's good. I think we need that. Yep. Well, I appreciate you coming on on the podcast. and. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'm sure I'll be seeing you sooner than later. And uh, Probably. Get back to work, and uh, I'll see you at Bridgeport's opener for sure. All right, I will see you there.